Hey, everybody. This is Patrick, the Chief Monkey and founder of Wall Street Oasis. Just wanted to first off say thank you so much for listening to this podcast. Second, wanted to make sure for any of you in the market for financial modeling training, remind you that Wall Street Oasis does have some incredible financial modeling training courses, including Excel modeling, financial statement through, you know, linking up the three statements, DCF, valuation, M&A, LBO, um, even more niche courses like 13-week cash flow, venture capital course, real estate modeling, you name it. Go ahead and check them out at wallstreetoasis.com slash courses. Thanks for the support. Hello and welcome. I'm Patrick Curtis, your host and chief monkey, and this is the Wall Street Oasis podcast. Join me as I talk to some of the community's most successful and inspirational members to gain valuable insight into different career paths and life in general. Let's get to it. In this episode, Monkey Domination 015 shares with us his path coming from a non-target university in the South. We learn how he was able to stack internships during his time at university to land himself at Fortress in the real estate arm right out of school. Learn why he decided to go into investment banking at a boutique shop, and how he was able to leverage that role to land in corporate development at a large healthcare company. Enjoy. Hey, Monkey Domination 015, welcome to the WSO podcast. Glad to be here. Thanks for having me. It would be great if you could just uh, give the listeners a short summary of your bio. Yeah, definitely. Um, So to start off with, I went to a non-target university. Um, When I was there, I did five internships on investment banking, venture capital, real estate, private equity, and private equity. Um, And then graduated magna cum laude, um, went to go work for Fortress Investment Group um, on kind of their real estate funds. Um, which was definitely an interesting uh, time. And then proceeded to go from there to a boutique investment bank that was really lean shop um, with really only four managing partners. And it's kind of a startup uh, where I get to kind of learn uh, all the facets of the investment banking process and work directly on all parts of transactions, um, both buy side and sell side. Uh, and then um, subsequently, uh, my last kind of stop and where I'm currently in is at a Fortune 100 healthcare company. Um, where I work in corporate development, working on mergers and acquisitions, um, specifically of kind of small uh, surgery practices, as well as um, just physicians in general. Very cool. Yeah, I think there's a lot of people wanting to make that jump from banking to corp dev. Um, so I think that'll be interesting to talk about that. But let's go, let's go back further all the way to uh, undergrad. Tell me a little bit about, you know, did you come from, were you down in that area? Is that why you went to that non-target? Was, were there alum, family, where people say, hey, you should go here? Or were there thoughts of going to different schools? What was the thought process? You know, why not go to a target school if you knew you want to do finance and you had so many great internships? Yeah. Um, so yeah, the, uh, the internships were kind of after I started um, in undergrad, but uh, to choose undergrad, um, it was based on really proximity was kind of one of the things where I was considering, you know, a few schools in the South, um, which is where I'm from. Um, and this option, when I applied, actually gave me a full scholarship um, where I got paid a stipend just to go um, and then also put me in their business honors program. So it was, you know, free college on top of being in their uh, honors program. So they made it a pretty easy choice. That's a pretty, yeah, that's, that, that definitely makes it easier. I can see why you went there. So tell me a little bit about um, when you first went freshman, was it freshman year where you just started saying, hey, I need to get all these internships? What kind of, what guided you to that point? Did, did you have a mentor telling you like, oh, you really need to get internships right away? Was finance always on the radar? Tell me about that. Yeah. Um, so I had definitely had some mentors kind of, especially at the beginning. Um, and it was freshman years when I really was kind of starting to look for an internship, but just couldn't get any traction because no one really wants freshmen. <laughs> um, so after sophomore year, I, I definitely got a little bit more traction. Um, and I actually had a friend that was in my fraternity that had a, another friend um, that was up at a real estate private equity shop up in Chicago. Um, and he told me that, uh, he could help me get an internship, but that would be unpaid. Um, so I was actually sleeping on my aunt's couch for a summer and just kind of walking over to the real estate private equity firm right in downtown Chicago, which was uh, a lot of fun. Um, but kind of just how that got started. Very cool. So what did you do your freshman summer then? 
with no internship? I actually, I worked in Macy's uh, in sales. <laughs> oh, there you go. Yeah. So you got paid at least something. Yeah. Just tried to make some money. Do you remember what they paid you? Was it an hourly thing? Yeah. Nine bucks an hour. <laughs> nine bucks an hour. I love it. So you're working there for the summer freshman year. You come in sophomore year, you keep, you keep kind of grinding and how are you kind of networking to try to get these internships? It sounds like it was a friend of a friend in a frat that helped you um, get this first real estate private equity internship that was unpaid, you know, couch sleeping summer. But tell me, tell me about like, was there other opportunities or was that like the only one you got? I mean, if it's the only one you got, that's fine. It's really hard even as a sophomore. I'm just curious. So I actually did have two or three other opportunities. Um, and at the time I was kind of just starting on that LinkedIn networking game, um, as well as just kind of also some emails here and there and just applying through whatever uh, resources my school could give me. Um, and I actually did have a couple other options, um, but the other one was being doing like tax appraisals for real estate. Um, and it was, I think like 15 bucks an hour. Um, so I had a chance to take a paid uh, internship where I would have been doing tax work. And at the time I was a finance and accounting double major. Um, so the accounting side, I was kind of interested, but I then, you know, later on I dropped my accounting major, but you know, it happens. <laughs> but um, at that point, I kind of made this decision at that point that I'd rather kind of focus on more on the investment side and start kind of building that investor mindset. And that's kind of why I chose the real estate private equity shop instead. I think it was a really wise move to take the unpaid uh, sleep on the couch for the summer and take the unpaid because you get real estate, private equity internship on your resume, sophomore year kind of opens up a lot of doors, right? Definitely. hundred percent. Tell me a little bit about like, why did that friend of a friend say they could get you an internship there? Was it because it was a super small shop and they were just like, Hey, we'll do you a favor. Or was it because um, something you said to them or that you, you know, some trust that you kind of engendered with this friend of a friend or how, how did you kind of, how did you get them to vouch for you and why wasn't he or she taking that internship? Yeah. So they were actually at Bamel Corp Finance time. Um, and they, um, they were kind of impressed with me as a freshman, just because I always had kind of the highest GPA out of the, the class I was with, um, for my like fraternity as well as, um, just always networking and always trying to be on top of things and just kind of trying to stay in front of people as well. Cause I had asked him a few times and like had conversations about how he thought the best way to approach it was. And I think he just kind of like enjoyed that. Um, and so when his friend said he was looking for an intern, uh, he just kind of recommended me right off the bat. So when you say you were staying in front of people, these, these were your like rap brothers that were older or these were friends. Like, tell me about that because I think it's, there's a lot of listeners that probably are in a similar situation. They don't realize the number of like opportunities, even just through their friends of friends that are available to them. So t talk to me about that. How, how are you staying in front of people when you say that? What does that even mean? Like emailing them once every three months? Like what? Yeah, no, great question. Um, so him in particular, I think he was a senior at the time and he'd already done his like corp finance, BAML, um, like internship and accepted his full-time offer at that point. So he was going there. And so I knew that that was something that I would consider very interesting. Um, and so, yeah, I was, uh, any chance I'd kind of talk to him, um, you know, we'd hop on calls every once in a while. We, we still do to this day, actually. Um, and then there were kind of a couple of others. There's one who worked in M&A um, in New York. Um, and so he was an alumni. And so I would just reach out to him like every two, three months via email, um, give him an update on what I've been doing, what I'm looking at doing and try to understand kind of what he was doing a little bit better. Um, and also just kind of set up time to chat. Um, so it's really just like finding touch points. You, with people is there any do. chance you could, is there any chance you could give us a sample, like what you would say and something like that? Cause I think a lot of kids get lost in like, like how, what do you mean give an update? Like, Oh, I'm taking these courses. Was it like that specific or was it like just a two line thing of like, Hey, I saw you did this deal. Congrats. Yeah, so he worked at um, he worked at a hospital. So I actually didn't know too much about kind of the acquisitions he was doing. Interestingly enough, now we would actually consider that group of competitors. So it's kind of interesting how the world works. Um, but um, uh, yeah, I would just kind of yeah, kind of say what I was kind of working on. More actually, what I was kind of I, I was always kind of thinking back in the day. Um, so at one point, I was thinking about making an investment fund for like my friends, um, where I could make it like where I didn't really take a fee, but just like made it away so they could invest in the stock market, get some ETFs and like large cap stocks, put them into a fund and just be like, hey, if you want to invest in the stock market, I can help you do that. 
um, just as like something as an idea to like kind of have uh, to kind of help my friends just invest in like socks. Um, and so at the time I was kind of talking to him about the ins and outs of that. And he was, he was kind of helping me through, think through kind of the liability side of it with like, if you were to start that and something went south or if you kind of messed up on distributions or something like that, it, it, they could, you know, you'd be liable to a lawsuit for reasons that, you know, you may not want. So, um, it would just be probably good advice. <laughs> yeah, definitely. <laughs> and so it was kind of just, um, somewhat of just kind of chatting with them as well as just kind of talking about the things I was thinking about. So I'm just kind of always thinking. Yeah. Tell me about like, so tell me about that summer in Chicago um, on your own couch year. You're going, they said it was a lot of fun. Was it a lot of fun because you were just in a new city and like, I know Chicago in the summer is pretty awesome. Yeah. Um, but just tell me a little bit about, <laughs> tell me a little bit about just like your summer there and what, what, what it was like. Were you working full 40 hours and everything? Yeah. So it was actually interesting. Um, so it was a new city, which was, you know, awesome. Chicago, the weather is beautiful as well. Um, which is just, you know, they also kind of just have so much to do in all the different neighborhoods. Um, you can kind of go to different places and get different vibes, which is pretty cool. Um, and so I made a few friends there and so I was able to just kind of hang out with those people as well. Kind of when I wasn't working, um, and honestly wasn't working too much just because it was an unpaid internship. Um, so I, I think what I had done is committed to work like 25 hours a week. Um, but then like, just because I was there and wanted to learn, I would end up working like 40, 45 hours a week, um, where I would just actually ask for like special projects or like just specifically just to focus on like modeling. Um, cause my actual, like, like your goal was the resume build, right? Your goal was building that on the resume, right? It was a couple of things when I was asking, no, so honestly, not really like my thing has always been, I'm, I'm always about the learning uh, and the experience you get from doing something. And it's really has been the case just because of the, like, why else would you kind of do like the unpaid internships? Um, which I did a few of like the first three, I think were unpaid and one of those for like a year. Um, but it was just to learn really. Um, cause I knew I didn't know what I didn't know. Um, and he was someone who was, the person I was learning from at that shop was someone who'd been doing it for a few years. He'd worked at some really large firms um, and he had like really deep experience. And so I just wanted to be able to kind of like soak up all I could from him. And so you'd ask for some sort of like modeling projects, even though you had already hit your 25 hours, you stayed for an extra 15 hours that week and kind of built out a model or whatnot on a specific real estate deal they, they had done or something like that. Yep, exactly. And it was like a, a historical deal. So I had like a model I could compare it to and just kind of compare and contrast and be like, oh, this is how he did it. This is how I should be thinking about it. And then just picking apart the formulas and making sure I could do it all, but then trying to build it from scratch myself too. Yeah. Was it like you would take a sim or whatever, like you try to like reconstruct what they had done for like the investment committee memo? Yep, exactly. It was an investment memo um, where I tried to kind of rebuild That's it. That's a great exercise. Yeah, he had actually just printed it out. <laughs> yeah, he had actually just printed it out and kind of handed it to me and was like, try to rebuild this. Um, and then like I was going through that process and then I would like pull up the model like after I had tried to rebuild something and check to see how he did it versus how I did it. Yeah. How did you do that first time? Terrible. It was awful. <laughs> I, I don't even think I, um, I don't think I fully finished because the other thing is like, it was one summer and it was a pretty detailed model. I mean, it was like, like a model with a good, like 20, 30 tabs where it's like really getting into the details. Oh, wow. Yeah. Um, yeah. So the operational model, just the buildup of the revenue and just the buildup was insane. Yeah. Or like it was a ton of properties or something. Uh, yeah. So the buildup was kind of insane. And then they also kind of, um, they did a lot more deep diligence um, in terms of like uh, the, all the different parts of the assets too. Um, cause they would buy like packages of investments and they would have different kinds of assets in them. So you'd have to be like working through different kinds of asset class modeling, all real estate, but all kind of different. Like they'd have some that are land, they'd have some that are retail, but they'd be buying like packages. The multi, like multifamily office, this, that, and it's like, oh, you're rolling it all up. That's tough. Right. Yeah. It sounds like a beast. So you didn't even finish, you didn't even finish by the end of the summer. Yeah. I wasn't able to get through the whole investment, <laughs> but I actually kept working on it after the summer. For a little bit Did that yeah so it does sounds like it, it sounds like it didn't discourage you and you kept going um tell me as you kind of 
that that was your sophomore summer as you came into kind of junior year. Were you thinking at all? What did you know about like investment banking, private equity? Were you fairly well educated at this point? Were you on Wall Street Oasis every day, or were you like uh, still? <laughs> I was on Tell Wall Street. What, your, what was your thought process? Yeah, no, back then I think I was on Wall Street Oasis practically every day, um, and I was always just kind of digging into the forums and try figuring out the different paths. It's just really helpful to be able to like learn from someone else's experience. Um, and those posts go like way back, you know, so you get some like depth to it too. Like some of those forums can go back to like 09 and stuff like that, where you get some kind of detail about how the firms used to be. So you see a little more insight on culture and stuff like that. Um, and then kind of on top of that, I was doing a lot of other research on the side about like investment banking, um, private equity, the ins and outs, and just trying to get a, be a better understanding of like the non-real estate side as well. Got it. So like, as you're going into junior year, what was your thought process? Were you like, Hey, I'm gung ho on, on investment banking. Or were you saying, Hey, I'll take whatever at this point, because you were still like, you recognized you were still non-target. Right. So. Yeah. So it was kind of interesting. I was for some reason convinced I could get to private equity without doing investment banking. Um, <laughs> I was kind of under the impression like, okay, if I do enough, that's, not, that's actually not that. That's not that unheard of to be overconfident as a 20 year old guy in college. <laughs> it's actually very common. A lot of people think, oh, I have a good GPA or, you know, this is just, why wouldn't they choose me? Right. Right. Yeah. It's kind of how I felt. Stack private equity. You, you thought you'd stack private equity internships and they would just fall into your lap. But yeah, tell me what happened. Yeah. So I was, I mean, I think even before I came back from that summer, I was already hunting for my next private equity internship in Dallas. Um, yeah. And, you got um, one. You got yeah, one. yeah, I, um, I got one. Well, so there's also some that stuff that are not always on my resume. So the actual, the one that I actually got whenever I got right back, this is actually super interesting. Um, I think like, so I joined the private equity firm. Um, it was pretty great. Um, but I realized pretty quick that they were a lot less like operationally efficient and like, I guess like you kind of, you could notice like a lack of edge. Like when they were kind of like, when you were having discussions with them, you weren't like super like, oh, like this is like, this person's super impressive. And like, you'd kind of like, it was just a different vibe. And so after like, I guess maybe like a month and a half, I was like, okay, I think I need to find like another internship. Cause I realized at some point, like some of the modeling was kind of weird. You'd like notice random hard codes and a bunch of other stuff. Um, and yeah, so there were royalty based, uh, private equity fund, and they were kind of making the assumption that they could like put in, um, a good amount of capital up front and then just kind of take royalties off the bat for a certain amount of time off top line revenue. So it wasn't anything like super intense, but, um, anyway, I, I kind of thought something was off about that firm. And so I ended up leaving that firm and going to a, like this boutique investment bank, um, that I interned at. And about a month after they actually got shut down by the SEC um, and the CEO oh, the was charged. you were at previously. Yeah. The, the wow. middle one, the royalty based one. Yeah. And uh, the, the um, CEO was indicted by the FBI uh, for fraud. <laughs> oh my God. It was crazy. It's crazy. And so were you working for free for that? that? That was an unpaid internship too. Yeah. And I didn't have like an email or anything. So you got out just in time. Yeah. Yeah. It was crazy. So tell me about that. That is nuts. So do you know what it was? It, well, I, mean, I was just fraud and they were, he was just making things up. And it was like right. the worst Ponzi scheme of all time, basically. Um, Cause it's like, it literally was a Ponzi scheme, but the dollar figures would be like minus a zero than you're used to. It was for like 13 million AUM. Yeah. It was weird. But I didn't know how much AUM they okay, had when so, we started. Yeah, I can't even believe they, they didn't get away with it, you know, with uh, such low right. like, That would even be on the radar. <laughs> like, they didn't even care. But don't they have bigger fish to fry? Anyways, that's, that is very interesting. So you, you got out of there. You kind of think you were thinking there's something weird about this place. You started interviewing. How did you get that investment making internship middle of the year? This is winter at this point. Yeah, so... That's actually were you like how so what you made that realization of like I need to get out of here. What was the what was the what was the steps that you took to kind of get that investment banking internship? 
Yeah. So I knew that the, the previous internship was going to be ending about then. Um, and so I was kind of already on the hunt again. Um, and I actually, I had joined like my, uh, my school's like, um, finance honors program and they had just kind of circulated a, um, internship opportunity with this investment bank. Um, and it was actually a pretty easy process. So through, to give more context that this was another unpaid internship. Um, and so, and by the way, for the, for the listeners out there, you were doing this during the school year, right. correct? Mm-hmm. All of this during the school year. So you were working, you had a full course load? Yep, 15 hours. The Chicago one, the Chicago one was summer. Yeah, right. Right. Yeah. Or no, it was No, it was summer. Yeah, but then, but then you kind of continued it technically because you kept working on the model. But like, then you ended up at this kind of sketchy other fund, close end, uh, royalty fund that got shut down. Then you jumped to this investment banking boutique internship that was, sounds like it was just an on-campus or marketed through the business honors, pro- finance honors program. But this was all like full course load. So how are you keeping your GPA up? But did your GPA suffer from any of this? Uh, no, I always had a three, seven plus at all times. Um, I just, nice. and so you're studying, <laughs> you just studied hard you just worked hard. I studied to get them out. Yeah. Yeah. And so tell me a little bit about kind of the, the process of getting that internship kind of mid year. It sounds like they were looking for somebody anyways for unpaid for, for, um, was it supposed to be a full year? Like you had it or no? No, they were only looking for someone for a semester. Um, I think that once I just got there, it kind of just worked out to where I, I kind of just stuck. Um, and this is actually where I would later go full time, by the way, um, just to connect the dots. Um, and um, yeah, so I was there. The interview process was honestly like. It was interesting because you could tell that there was kind of less of an onus for it to be like a tough internship um, just because it's like kind of unpaid. And so it's kind of just always like kind of the underlying a little bit. Um, but the other thing is that when I showed up, they were, the main question they asked me is how did you already have two private equity internships? Um, like before my, you know, like at that point. Um, and so they actually told me when I was leaving, like, honestly, if if you want to like join us, like you can join us. (laughs) Like it would like, basically they gave me an offer when I was walking out the door. Um, they were just like, yeah, like honestly. They were so impressed with your internship. Yeah. Yeah. And the way I could like talk to it and my GPA, they were just like, honestly, like your resume is just like far and above, you know, uh, the competition here. So if if you would like to join us, we'd love to have you. Um, so I was like, yeah. Was there an alum there or something that had, is that why they were pulling from your school? No, the, so the finance program director I have, I mean, he's just a beast and I mean, an absolute beast. He's always has, um, internships full time, all kinds of companies. Um, he, yeah, he has a really good background. He was investment banking two years um, at Stevens and then went to a lower middle market private equity shop. Actually, no, I think they're a middle market private equity shop. Um, and then he just had connections in the industry and he's continued to try building those and just bring more people to the non-target, just bring more recruiters there at least. Yeah. That's cool. So you, you ended up there. They're like, well, I guess if you want to join us, you can join <laughs> us. And you're like, yeah, for sure. <laughs> And so tell me about the thought process, because it sounded like you weren't so keen on kind of going into banking right out of school. You ho- hoped you could skip it. What was, did something switch or was it just like, hey, I just need to take this because this is another, I'm just stacking. It was, it was about the time where I realized like, hey, you might not be able to go to straight to private equity. <laughs> um, Why did you realize that? You just kind of read enough <laughs> about it. I feel like at that point, I was just like, oh, okay. Like, I, I think there was like a three-month period where I was like, oh, I think I can do this. And then at some point, I was like, oh, no, I can't. Um, but it's kind of it's kind of funny because after the full year of doing investment banking, I was convinced again that I could use that to try getting into private equity. So it's really just a constant cycle of me thinking I could and then seeing if I could or not. <laughs> That's fine. That's fine. So like, you stuck there for a full year on this IB internship. Were you like running deals with the, were you actually building the models and doing all this, like actually closing any deals? So, yeah, that was the interesting part is it, so it was a four partners as the managing partners. And then the rest is just a few interns um, as like their analysts. Right. Um, and so, right. you know, the managing partners are great. You know, they're awesome. They really let you take on as much responsibility as you want to. Um and me being the way that I am, I obviously wanted to take on as much as possible. Um, so for instance, like there was one time they were like, okay, we need a model, a deck, um, and like all of this kind of for a pitch that we have tomorrow. Right. 
Um, and so they gave it to us at like 8 a.m. the morning before and they were like, okay, you can start with this. Um, and then like, you know, once you're done or like once you've kind of, you know, done as much as you can, you can just pass it off to the next intern and they can pick up from there. Um, but like, I just kind of never put it down. And then by, you know, like 1 a.m. that night, I had sent them like a model and a deck. Um, and the kind of rewarding part about it is that at the end, um, the, the managing partner actually just forwarded the deck with no comments directly to the client. Uh, he was just, and then he responded to me and was like, Hey, this was perfect. And I was just like, wow, <laughs> that literally never happens. <laughs> how did you, yeah. So how did you even know how to do that? I mean, you had a couple of private equity internships. How did you know? And what, what kind of deal was it? Like, how did you even know? Was this like a little bit further into the internship? So you felt like a little bit better? Was it M&A deal, sell side, buy side? What was it? It was a sell side M&A deal to sign up a client with, I think it was a hundred million in revenue at the time. Um, they did uh, hydraulic fracking um, because we're down South. Um, and we did a lot of oil field services at that company. It was a lot of OFS. Out of the 20 deals, it was probably like- Why, How did they, how did these part, how did, how do these like partners even like if they're relying on interns, how are they like, is it mostly just their relationships? And so they're getting deals just through the relationships and there's not like a, an expectation of like these decks are they outsourcing it somewhere besides the interns or is there, they have like a constant rotation of four to 10 interns in there? They have a constant rotation of like four interns. Um, and four interns. Okay. there are relationships selling. I'm surprised that's enough. I'm surprised that's enough for four partners. I wanted to make the argument it wasn't enough when I was full-time there. Um, if we wanted to really do it better than we had been. Um, but, you know, it's um, at some point, someone has it's to like, your money. yeah, and someone has to like <laughs> keep track of all of them, um, which can be uh, interesting, which is actually what I ended up doing once I was an associate there, um, was having to like keep track of all of them and all the work product and like, um yeah yeah okay so let's move on so like you're yeah i mean you're you basically sounds like you had a great year there you were doing some actual deals you were getting actually your your work sent to clients um and so you sorry i interrupted you you were doing a deal and, and so that did that deal actually come to fruition and you worked on it no it did not actually yeah i don't think any deals Actually, I think one deal closed when I was there, um, but it was a deal I hadn't worked on, but it was a uh, buy-side advisory one for an acquisition of a company that um, I actually later would also work with when I was full-time, which was kind of interesting. Their relationship stuck around, which was kind of the interesting part. So that was like my, uh, my junior to my senior year is when I was at that investment bank. But at the end of that, the last semester, I actually did a second internship at the same time at a private equity firm was at the, the Riverside company. Um, and I did that one and this investment bank and a full set of classes all at the same time. You're nuts. So why? Well, obviously I know why, because Riverside's a great, Riverside, Riverside's a great company. So like, why not drop the, the investment banking internship? Because I thought I had a full-time offer there at the time. Um, but it didn't come to fruition as I had thought when I graduated. Um, or they kind of told me before that, but yeah, there was a deal we were. Oh, so you might have been. You were kind of left in a in a tough spot because you were you were finishing up that internship, thinking you have a full time offer there, and then basically you also were working crazy hours. You're at the Riverside, you're doing Riverside stuff, and so how many hours were you working for the boutique investment bank, and how much for Riverside? Probably about like twenty five. Riverside unpaid too. Was no, no, no they paid. <laughs> no, they paid okay, twenty yeah. hour. They're pretty good. Nice. Yeah. Um, That's better than us. <laughs> <laughs> um, All right, go ahead. Yeah. So Riverside Pay Well, I thought I had a full-time offer. Um, they were working on closing it since it was kind of, it's kind of a startup, right? Because uh, it's just these kind of four guys that kind of came together. Actually, I was the first intern they hired, um, which was the interesting part um, or an interesting part. Um, and so at the time they were waiting on this deal to close to decide if they were going to hire me full-time or not. Um, and so the deal closed. And so at the closing dinner, I like, you know, lean over to the managing partner I'm closest with. And I was like, Hey, like, so how's that offer looking? And he was just like, Hey, um, I'm sorry to tell you, man, we're just not gonna be able to do it. Um, 
and says it was pretty disappointing at the time. Um, but at the same time, he like made it really clear. He was like, look, honestly, if like we thought we could kind of like make it work, we really would. Um, but we know that we're not going to be able to give you a market competitive offer at this point. Um, and so like kind of at that point, like as soon as we are able to give you a market competitive offer, then we will. Um, but like right now we can't really commit to that. Just cause there wasn't enough deal flow, right? Like there's not enough cash flow coming in. They didn't want to end up spending hundred K on you. Yeah. And so they had deal flow. They just didn't have deal closings cause they probably had like 10 or 12 live yeah, MMA deals. Yeah. Yeah. You're right. You're right. Yeah. Cause they're, the deal, they're not, the getting, the fees. Not, they're not yeah. getting the fees. Yeah. Yeah. The money's not flowing. So it's like, they're like, we're only making like 300 K across the four, you know, like you're, you know, a million bucks across the four of us. Like, why are we going to pay you a hundred? Right. Right. Um, be tough. That's what it was like. I assume. Yeah. So tell me a little bit about then. So you kind of were at Riverside too. It looks like they both ended kind of January of, you know, your senior year. So you're, why did that, you know, why did that happen? I guess, why did you stop? Cause you were like, Oh, I need to actually go full-time like job search mode. Yeah. So I was in actually a really funny spot. Um, so technically I'd actually finished all my classes. So I could have graduated right then. That's kind of what I got a sense of like when I see January. Yeah. Yeah. But I didn't have an offer in hand. So I was like, well, okay, that's not true. I had three offers. They're all corporate finance. Cause I was interviewing at the time for corporate finance. Cause that wasn't true if I wanted to do IB or corporate finance. So I wanted to have my options. So I was still interviewing around, um, but I wasn't trying for investment banking because I thought I had an investment banking offer. Um, right. So, but at the same time, um, I knew once I knew that I did not have an offer there full time, um, I went ahead and was like, Hey, I'm going to be ending this internship. And then Riverside had told me even beforehand, like your internship ends in December. Um, so both of those kind of just ended. And so I'm sitting there in January. Um, I don't think I had the corporate finance offers in hand yet. Yeah. So much time. Um, and so <laughs> literally so much time. And so I, uh, I had like a venture capital like uh, program. Your, your that, classes were done too. Your, cl- your classes yeah. or you were like taking one class not to graduate early or something like that? Or like, exactly. What were yep. you doing? Yeah. So I took one class not to graduate and it was like this venture capital program at the, uh, they call it the Blackstone Launchpad, which is like a, a thing that our school had. Um, and I think other schools have it as well. Uh, and so that was kind of how I just spent my whole semester is because you basically get to lead a student venture fund where we're only looking at investments of people's companies who have come from the school either as an alumni staff or faculty um and so i thought i'd have some fun and just started to try my hand at like originating deals um which for venture capital is easy because you know everyone wants money um especially early stage um and so i was just kind of going around calling random people i'd literally just be on linkedin like just trying to find like ceos and i would be um, just trying to bring in some like deal flow. And so like, um, it was kind of funny. I had so much time that like, when we actually like were finished with like the origination process, the whole fund had 30 potential investments. And out of the 30, I brought in like 15 of them. Um, and there were like, there were eight other like venture associates or whatever. So it was like that, like that's how much I was just kind of having fun with it, to be honest. Um, it's just kind of fun talking to people and learning about their companies. Um, and then like we go through like a full investment process from start to finish, um, including some modeling, including management they meetings. Close 30, they closed 30 deals then? You're saying they invested in 30 companies? No, we just, we had 30 oh, no. uh, potential investments at the time, like 30 total originated investments. Um, yeah, and yeah, out yeah. of the origination, how many, I'd, how many actually, yeah, how many closed? We only took two investments. Yeah. Got it. Okay. Yeah. So tell me as you're, why are you spending so much time doing this when like you don't really have a full-time job lined up? Yeah, I was mostly doing it for fun. Or you were, you were interviewing on the side? Yeah, I was interviewing on the side a lot. Yeah, still interviewing a lot. Um, and that's actually when I was able to kind of get my Fortress interview too, um, was in that time span. Um, and so I think it was probably by like February or March, I had like three corporate finance offers in hand. Um, and then I was working on the Fortress offer. Um, when you say corporate finance offers, can you explain to the listeners what you mean by corporate finance? Yeah, definitely. Um, so just 
kind of the more bread and butter finance, um, you know, financial planning and analysis, FP&A, um, as well as some more operational finance. Um, and so just to give an example, the companies that I actually had offers with were um, Raytheon, BBVA, Compass, and uh, Capital One. Um, and so all of them would have been kind of similar positions, I'm sure, with different nuances, um, but just kind of working through um, like financial analysis and more kind of like uh, like operationally um, working through kind of different modeling scenarios, I think. And so you had three offers, you said? Mm -hmm. And they were around like, what, 50 to 70K a year? Like 50 that? to 60. Yeah, the top one was 60. 50 to 60. Okay. Yeah, so you were at the same time kind of in this process with Fortress. And what was your thought process there? I mean, kind of different. You hadn't really done any sort of like investment management internships, right? It's all private equity or banking. So did, how did you even get that in, that interview? So it was actually a real estate group, which is where I got lucky because I had that real estate private equity internship. Um, so when the interview, so how I got the interview is LinkedIn networking. Um, I had talked to this dude. He was, uh, he was a alumni from my school. Um, and I had talked to him like three or four times over the last like year and a half. And so he was actually leaving the role he was in, which was at like the kind of portfolio analysis level, um, as opposed to like more working on direct investments. Um, and so he was leaving his role to move into direct investments. Um, and so he was saying like, hey, we have this position open. Um, I'm going to be, the, I was the one who did the role. And so I'm going to be kind of helping run that process. Um, and so he got me in the process. Um, I interviewed. I think with, it was his boss and then two portfolio managers and one managing director. Um, and it was super real estate heavy, but since I had taken that time to build those real estate models, like I could actually talk to it um, relatively well. Like, yeah. And so that on top of- Super complex, crazy build that you had done from that internship in Chicago <laughs> kind of paid dividends later. Yeah. It definitely did. Um, and then on top of that, then they would ask questions like, oh, like we work a lot. Like, can you handle the workload? And I was like, oh, well, I had two internships and a full set of classes on top of all each other. And I knocked a 3.9 GPA that semester. So if that tells you. <laughs> yeah. And so they're like, okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. They're like, great. yeah. That's great. Sure. So, yeah. Do you mind sharing what the what the pay was? Because this was one is this was not a direct investing role. This was like a more of a portfolio management role. So you're doing analytics on the portfolio, helping kind of build up models and run that. So I assume it's slightly less than a direct investing role. Is that accurate? I think that's accurate. And the thing about um, the thing about a lot of those companies, I feel like they like have a really good pulse on the market. Um, and so they, they made it sweet enough where it was like, wow, like, okay, yeah, that's really solid compared to my other offers. Um, cause I, I had actually, they had asked me about like my other offers. Um, and I told them like the leading offer and I was like, this is what I was, um, you know, like minimally expecting, which I never should have done. Terrible, terrible idea, especially on the negotiating side. Um, they just went a little bit above that. <laughs> Don't tell me they offered you 65. <laughs> no, they actually, they, to be to their credit, they, they did, uh, they did, um, they offered pretty competitively. So they, they matched on the base, right. Which when all in would have been, I think all in comp on that Corpfin job was going to be like 60, including like base plus bonus earlier. Um, and so th they matched the base with the 60. And then they said that you, in your first year, you could, uh, earn up to a 30% bonus. So all in looking at closer to like 80 K, um, which actually is exactly what happened. Um, so I ended up actually making 80 that year. Um, yeah. So it's a great, it's great for first year out of school, especially and like yeah. looking at the other options you had on the plate. Um, do you, tell me about that, uh, the salary negotiation. Did they, tell me like when they asked you how you, what you wish you would have said. Yeah, that was the thing. Like I tried pushing on the, uh, who ends up being my future boss. I tried pushing on, my, on him a little bit. Um, and I was like, oh, is there like room to negotiate this? And he was like, yeah, there's room. Um, but like, just to let you know, like, since you're kind of coming straight out of undergrad, like we really think we've pumped you to exactly kind of the level we think. Um, and so like, if you kind of push this, then expectations will rise with that. And I was just like, what? <laughs> um, and so I, I kind of was just like, 
I kind of honestly just folded at that point. I was like, yeah, like this honestly, like I'm psyched out. Me. You're psyched out. <laughs> yeah, he definitely got in my head. Um, because but the other thing is like I had already told him what my best offer was um at that point. Yeah. Um, so at the end of the day, I should never have revealed what my best offer was. Um, I really should have just said something like, oh, like getting a market competitive or something like that. Um, yeah. Cause I think had, did they ask you, what is your best offer? You said I have several offers right now and they asked you what, what's the pay or something. They asked you that. Yeah. That's exactly that one. Yep. I mean, at that point, it's, it's hard to say at that point, it's hard to be like, oh, I'm not going to tell you. Yeah. It, it becomes, <laughs> yeah. At that point, it's kind of like a pissing match. <laughs> Yeah. I mean, I, I don't even know how I would deal. I think if you get in that situation, I'm trying to think just for the listeners who are like forced into that hand where they're asking you, what's the best advice for that? Should I, I almost feel like, yeah, so are you in some other processes? You could say something along the lines of, yeah, I'm in several. I actually have some offers right now. Uh, however, um, it's in corporate finance um, or it's in, it's in, uh, you know, in a, in a different type of role. I'd much rather be in this role. This is my top choice. And they'd be like, what are the other ones paying you? Be like, well, you know, I, I would just expect market for whatever is, um, right. you know, for you guys, whatever you think is. Market. I think that would be a better approach than being like, oh my, because they're just, they're anchoring you to the corporate finance. Right. Yeah. Uh, for where probably would have paid, you know, 70 base and, you know, who knows. No, I, I definitely think they would too. Um, but that's short, it's short-sighted to like get to like aggressive there and your first job out of school anyways. It's, it's really, the, the, it's not where you make your money in your career. So I think, I don't, I don't think, I don't, I think you're a little too hard on yourself to think, oh, I shouldn't have done this. It's, you know, they kind of, it's tough as a, as an undergrad to, to know exactly how to navigate that. The, the two reasons then, one is that, uh, the guy who actually like had the position that was like, helped me get the job. Um, he had told me that if I had tried to push on the front end, they could have just pulled it out of my bonus on the back end. So like at the same, at the end of the day, they're going to pay you what they want to pay you. Um, and then I had another, uh, I think it was actually my dad. He had told me like, honestly, next time you need to give a range, you just need to say like low to mid sixties. Um, and then if you give a range low to mid sixties, they might just go with mid sixties and you, there you get yourself like a 5k bump just right there. Yep. Yep. Yeah. That's actually good advice. Thank you. So you're there for a little over a year. Why only a year? Why not stay and run and do a similar transition internally? Like your, your, uh, alum and have to get in. Um, because he went to direct investments, I assume the pay is much higher there. And uh, were you thinking that you were going to follow in in his footsteps or her footsteps? That that was the plan actually, um, and that's actually what my boss kind of had told me too is that I could get to there. Um, there were two components that I didn't love about it. One is that it would have taken like three, four years probably. Oh wow! It's yeah, it was kind of a place where you you really got to like prove yourself and. Like, I mean, really prove yourself because you have to prove you're better than the people doing it, basically. Um, the alum that I was following was uh, he's kind of a stud. So he was just like, he, he was really well respected in the group. Um, it, like, even though he was not in an investment role, people would ask his advice on like different things. Um, and so he was just really well respected. So he was able to make that jump, but it took him a while to build that credibility. And then the second part it took him, what, three years? I think it, yeah, it took him about three. I think it might've been four even. Um, and he wasn't like at the beginning of his career when he wow. joined, he had been there for a few years. Um, but the, Oh, wow. Okay. So very different. Yeah. But the, the other, yeah. And the other thing is like the people I was interviewing against, uh, he was telling me later is that they would have like MBAs and like 10 years of experience. Um, so like the general for the role was like, just kind of generally hard. Um, yeah. but then. The other thing though, is I'd actually kind of seen like how the role was on the direct investing side. And I just wasn't super interested in real estate. So at that point I was kind of just like, okay, yeah, I think I'm going to go another route. <laughs> and when I kind of decided. How many hours were you working at this point? It wasn't terrible. Um, I think 60 was probably my average, but on a bad week, you could probably get up to like 80 ish. It wasn't, wasn't yeah. terrible. Okay. Not too horrible. Okay. So you're kind of what makes you at what point are you saying, okay, I'm gonna look to get out? Was it like month five, month six, seven? When and then tell me about the thought process of like how you're preparing for this exit. It's probably about seven. Um, and at that point I was just like, wow, um, 
I don't really know what's next because I don't really know what the exit ops here. Um, so I actually interviewed for a lot of like buy side roles. Um, just couldn't nail them because all of the competitors would be coming from like a two year investment banking um, background. Um, there were some I got really close on um, where I'd be down to one or two people. Um, and, you know, wasn't able to just kind of hit them just because the experience didn't really line up. Um, you know, it was coming out of real estate and I wanted to go into corporate side. Um, so it was, was kind of just tough sledding um, for kind of getting traction to go to more of like a corporate role. I was having a lot of conversations, a lot of interviews. You meant like you meant like you, you, were, you were looking to get in. You were looking to get into corp dev, basically, like the role you're in now. So you, you wanted to do like. M&A, but you didn't have like the M&A background really. So it was tough. You had like a portfolio, real estate portfolio background where, yeah, you had the modeling, but it was, it was going to be a tough, tough sell. Right. Yeah. Um, so tell me, so you started thinking, okay, I need to go banking first. Right. Yeah, exactly. Um, so tell me how you, tell me how you started that process and what happened. <laughs> so <laughs> to be fair, I knew I needed to go investment banking, but I still wasn't really looking. Uh, I don't know why. I just, it was really adamantly like, I don't need to get into investment banking to get where I want. Um, I obviously, I ended up back in investment banking anyway, um, but it was at a boutique firm. So completely, uh, probably completely different. Um, definitely completely different. But about the time I had already kind of primed some of those um, managing partners from that old investment bank. I was like, hey, I'm looking for a job. Uh, if I need recommendations, would you give me a recommendation? They were like, yeah, yeah, we'll give you a recommendation. And then randomly, there's just like one afternoon, I'm actually like in the office and they call me. I'm like, why is my old like managing partner calling me? And so I step out of the office, I kind of go for a walk and they're like, yeah, we'd like to make you an offer. <laughs> I was just like, what? And they're like, yeah, like, um, you know, we, we know your work product. You've kind of worked with us before. Um, so we'd like to make you an offer. I was just like, okay, awesome. <laughs> okay, great. Um, yeah, <laughs> which was uh, definitely. So tell solid. me a little bit about what was. Are you are you uh, willing to share kind of what the offer was, and you know, was there any kind of nervousness around the fact that you knew they weren't able to give you that offer? You know, a year, two, a year and a half earlier. Um, you know, what was the thought process going through your head? Was like, should I make this jump or not? What was? The, how did you make that decision? Yeah, I was a little on the fence. Just it was there was definitely still a sting from kind of not getting that offer on the front end. But at the end of the day, I'm a pragmatic person. Like if you give me everything I need to kind of be happy and kind of achieve what I want to next, like you know, I, I can get over it. Um, so I kind of just you know sucked it up a little bit, um, and it was a pretty decent offer. They, so basically, they agreed to match my current base, which was at the time. I think 65 because Fortress had given me a little bump too um, after the year end. Um, and then every deal that closed, they agreed to give me 1% of the total trans, uh, sorry, of the total fee, um, which generally speaking wouldn't normally be too great. I mean, it's like, it's not bad. Um, yeah. So if it was like a $200,000 fee, you'd get, you'd get a $2,000 check. Exactly. Yeah. Like that. Yeah. And, but at the time they had like 15 deals in the pipeline and a couple of them were like massive. I'm talking like 750 million in revenue, massive, um, for a four person. That's a 75 K that's a 75 K check that closes. Uh, it wasn't, that, it was, that math, right? be, uh, no, cause, cause the transaction value was probably like 750 mil, but the fee was only oh, like the fee, uh, the fee. Right. A few um, million, like 2 million or whatever. Um, yeah. Well, the fee, no, so the fee would have been like 20, 20 mil. Uh, no, so 20 the fee mil. would have been oh. 20 mil because um, it was 73% so on the seven. Yeah. 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 3%. Okay. So, yeah, that's, but it's still good. That's a nice check. Yeah. But no, they didn't close. It they didn't close. Didn't close. Yeah. Which is part of the reason I kind of was like, after a while at the shop, I was kind of just like, okay. I actually had told myself before I started, if in six months they don't close the deal, I kind of have to start looking again because I've already seen the writing on the wall here. Um, and so the new year started um, and they hadn't closed the deal at the time since I'd started. It'd been like six months. Um, I was kind of just like, okay, I kind of have to start looking again. Um, 
but that time I was at this point, I was like, okay, well now I have the background to get into the roles that I really wanted to, if I could just speak to it well enough um, and like pass a modeling test. And so it's kind of how that, <laughs> that's exactly kind of how that went down. And so we're throughout, throughout this whole process, like while you're working, um, you were given an associate title or what, but it's kind of irrelevant because you're basically helping manage interns and there wasn't exactly an analyst below you. Right. So tell me a little bit about kind of, that whole pro was it super frustrating when like deals would die yeah it was um and okay so the extra funny part i actually was a senior associate at the firm but i just didn't i was just like i'm not a senior associate like senior to what <laughs> so i just i actually took the senior off my own title when i put it everywhere um that's smart. Kind of, yeah i was like that's a bit that's like too much um at that point um yeah you're like you can call me a vp but what does it mean yeah <laughs> Like if, when you look at the amount of experience, it's like, okay. Um, and so I, you know, I just kind of call myself an associate. Um, but yeah, so it was kind of, it was definitely frustrating if deals kind of fell apart, which, and it would be crazy because like some of them, I mean, the worst part's like, you know, they're not really ever anyone's fault per se, you know, like one of them, like it was literally perfect. Like everything was lined up. We had a buyer, it was under LOI. Um, it was a really hot deal. Like when we were actually marking it, I was literally calling different like on the phone with different PE firms and like talking to like associates or partners or whoever was calling about it and just kind of having conversation, trying to pitch the, the deal to them. Um, it was probably like the best process I've ever seen. Um, it was super smooth. We got it to a large buyer who was well, you know, well, nice cap size. Like they could have definitely kind of pulled off the deal. The client only had wanted, um, it wasn't as large of a transaction. It was, it, the client wanted 20 million of enterprise value and he had started the engagement. We got him an offer for 28 and a half. Um, and then he realized how valuable it was right now and how much he thought he could grow it more. And then he got cold feet at LOI um, while we were starting off diligence. And he was just, or we were actually through a good amount of diligence. I think it was like closer to signing. Um, and he was just like, yeah, I, at this point, like I realize now that I can maybe get a lot more for this company in like five years. So I'm going to keep running with it because this is my life's work and this is what I want to do. And, and there was a young guy, the dude was probably like 30, 35. Um, and so I was kind of just like, damn, like <laughs> there's like, there's really not much more you can do on that one, you know? Yeah. Yeah. That's frustrating. But so you, um, you're there, you realize, you know, been six, seven months there, new year turns and you're thinking we haven't closed one deal and you're thinking, okay, now's my chance to kind of make that jump to corp dev. Is that the thought process? Yeah, that's exactly what it was. And why, why corp dev? Why were you so attracted to corp dev? Why I knew you were trying to get there before, but why? Yeah. Just tell me a little bit about that. So there's kind of a couple parts to me. One is that I really wanted to get into the operations of the company. Um, which I really have been able to do, which has been like the coolest part of my job personally. Um, I wanted to learn kind of what makes a company tick. If you're like working through a transaction, what are all the pieces that actually have to fit together to make it happen? And then also kind of dive into like a large company, understand kind of the dynamics of it and corporate politics and just kind of really get into it. Um, as well as kind of see like a buy and build strategy happening and actually be a part of it and actually kind of like get to grow out a market and see like what are the issues you run into and how does it work? Because um, like long-term goal, I would want to start like a roll-up strategy myself. Um, and so I wanted to kind of be able to get that learning process and learn kind of the ins and outs of that side of it. Cool. And so tell me how the, the interview process started. How did you find this role you're in now? Yeah. Um, the interview process was good. Um, the first couple were just phone interviews. Um, started with my manager, um, and then a VP. How did you even? How did you find it? Like, was it LinkedIn again? Yeah, this one was LinkedIn. This one was actually just like a random application, just applying online. Okay. Yeah. And it actually it was a resume drop, and you actually got contacted. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Wow. Yeah. It must have looked really pol really polished, really good. <laughs> That's hard to do. It, yeah, it's because it was, I would I had the ability to just talk about a lot of stuff I was able to do because I worked at such a small shop. So the responsibilities were crazy. 
like I had built out like their new LBO DCF models, as well as like their sins at that shop. Like I completely revamped their sins um, and like into PowerPoint because they were using word before. Um, and so it was just a lot I could talk to. And I think that's what really helped. Um, and so when I was interviewing, um, tell was, me about, tell me about that. Tell me about the revamping their Sims from word to PowerPoint, why you did it and, and just how you changed it and why, why you felt like it was much better. Yeah. So when I was at Riverside, um, I, we would go through Sims like every week. Right. And there'd be like 20, 30 Sims, all the large banks. Right. Um, you're just kind of going through and, you know, like every time you look at one, you kind of get a little bit more of an understanding and appreciation for all the little details and everything. Um, and so when I went to this investment bank and I saw they were all in Word, it kind of pained me a little bit. Like I got a little heartburn over it and I was just like, wow, like if I, if I sent this to like, you know, Riverside, I'd be like really out of the pack compared to anyone else. Like it would just be like painfully different. Um, and so I was just like, okay, well, let's fix that. <laughs> um, and so it was actually a really long process um, because all the partners kind of wanted input. Um, and so when one of the biggest, one of the bigger deals that we had brought in um, was going to market, I was like, okay, I think we should do a PowerPoint. Send. And honestly, like I got a lot of resistance from some of the older managing partners. Um, and I was we were sitting in a meeting. I can't forget this. It was all of us. It was like all the interns. It was all the partners in a meeting and we're talking about the SIM. And I was like, quite honestly, um, I think our current SIMs are outdated. I don't think this is industry standard. And I think we really need to change it to a PowerPoint. And they all just kind of stared at me for a while. Um, Cause they'd been doing this for 20 years. You know, like this is how they started. Good. Be like, like when I was at Riverside, none of the. I mean, did you say that? Did you say well? That's exactly what I said. Yeah, hundreds of stems. Yeah. Yeah. Not a single one. Yeah. There was some resistance. There was some like comments back that were just like, "Look, like there's a reason we do it this way, so we can really like explain the company." And I was kind of just like, honestly, like people want to be visually entertained more than they want to like, like they want content, but they also want to be like visually aesthetically pleasing content. Otherwise they don't pay attention to it. I like, it kind of hurt me to read some of those sins um, at times because there were just, there was so much in it and it was, it was, it was great information, fantastic information, but there's so much you just, you couldn't like suck. You can't keep it all in. Like you can't soak it all up. Um, right. Anyway, so uh, yeah, and so then it was like a really iterative process to actually get this in built. Um, but I've heard that to this day, they still use that as the template for every new deal, <laughs> which is pretty cool. Yeah, that's awesome. All right, so you're you're interviewing with uh, you you somehow land this interview at this corporate for the corporate development analyst role. Tell me a little bit about you know were you just applying on LinkedIn? Were you hitting up alums again? You're just your network, and were you keeping up a, a network kind of? warm leads throughout this entire you know few years honestly no i kind of had fallen off after the starting the investment banking role um but i kind of started to, to pick back up a little bit um and honestly a lot of it was a lot of cold outreach um and this one kind of hit and so i kind of just ran with it there were kind of a few there were a good amount of others um and i was working with a few recruiters too actually um, that were just kind of constantly sending me different options. Um, but then just once I understood this role, it just, it was exactly what I wanted. So I, I kind of went like, I drove kind of hard at this one. Um, like I had, uh, I'd reached out to a few people and there was like this random VP in like Minnesota who sits on like their global strategy team, um, that I could just happen to get on the phone. And I just kind of like grilled him about everything they're trying to do long-term, like all they're trying to like really push toward. Um, and just like with like the, the global kind of context and as well as like strategic like focuses. And then I snuck those things into every single interview where I would talk about it. I'd be like, oh, and I just really think healthcare is pushing more toward this. At the time it was telehealth uh, and it still is, but um, it's just like, uh, it was a little less talked about back then. Um, it was because it was like pre-COVID. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. So like at I, that point, you sounded like a genius. You sounded like super knowledgeable about the industry because you had grilled this guy, what, like yeah. a week earlier? Or exactly. Yeah. No, like well, during the process. Yeah. <laughs> 
so how did you get on the phone with how did you come in did he know you were in the process with with the for the position he did yeah it was just a cold outreach um just reached out to him uh he did know i was in the process i mentioned like ham hey, interviewing for this other role and i just would love to talk to you if you have a few minutes um he was like sure that's a super um, super nice hack that i think everyone should listen to like if you can talk to somebody in the organization even if they're not directly where you'd be or in the office you'd be you can get a ton of insight on the firm the culture the the whole like the whole party line you can start parroting that in your interviews and suddenly like you're this you're like almost one of them you're an insider already yeah and they're like genius. wow <laughs> yeah the funny part i had no healthcare experience they were like oh like you must be really like trying you know <laughs> so it was... I, love it. I love it yeah so yeah. i was gonna say i'm like you there's no healthcare on your back on your background at all like the fact that you got the role is pretty impressive because i'm sure there was other bankers that had the healthcare background that they were interviewing yeah, and all of my counterparts, um, the banks they come from are like Houlihan, Wells Fargo, like they're all like elite boutiques at least, you know? Um, right. So it's pretty shocking that you got it. Yeah. It was, yeah. So any other kind of advice in terms of how you, besides that, I mean, I think that's a great tip, but anything else you did in the interview process? Did they give you like a modeling test, like a, a merger model or something like that yeah they gave me a dcf test um it was like over webex where they were like watching me do it live um it was pretty seamless honestly um it was nothing more complicated than what i used to do with the investment bank i was at before or something at fortress um and so it was, it was pretty easy um low-key but it was uh definitely kind of a process working through that um, like working through the process in general, just because I had to kind of figure out where and when to like say, um, or like try to slide in some of those things. And then it was also interesting because like after every interview, I would just kind of soak up and I'd take really copious notes on everything. And I would just like ask the next interviewer the same things that the other person was talking about that were like really detailed healthcare things. <laughs> Like, so for instance, one was like population health and like the push toward like a more patient centric, like healthcare model. Um, and like at the time, like I didn't really know anything about it, but they were kept talking about it. And so I kept asking about it and they love that because that's like where everything is pushing forward. Um, so it's like stuff like that and it just helped. That's cool. Yeah, it's smart. You're, you're really keeping your ears open and, and trying to find the patterns and then just like parroting it back to them um, to kind of, seem like you're in you're in the know too right so tell me a little bit about like well let's talk about pay quickly so that your pay had kind of been flat from fortress through to you were like 65 base there did you make the same did they ask you the same question when they were going to make that offer like what are you getting paid now and <laughs> what did you say i was surprised they didn't even ask like once uh, it was it was uh really just like here this is like the top range of what we can offer you based off your experience in like years um and this is like the offer. <laughs> a nice pay raise. It was. A nice pay raise, I assume. Yeah, it was like a 30. Over six figures. Yeah, 30% pay raise. Yeah. It was uh, all in, was probably about like one tennis. Yeah, that's a great jump. So, um, yeah, in terms of like how you thought about the Corp Dev team stuff, I'll let you go soon. I know it's been a long, lot longer than expected. I think it was entertaining. But tell me about like, Corporate development, I think some people get worried about going there because if suddenly the firm becomes less acquisitive or if the team, a lot, oftentimes these teams are pretty small, like they can be like one lead in, in, in you. How did you get comfortable kind of going to this specific firm? Was it a larger team and, and they were very acquisitive or how did you kind of do that diligence? Yeah. So we're extremely acquisitive um, and like the name, if you Google it and like acquisition, it's just like a list. It's just like a constant list then um, all sizes. Like it goes, it really runs the gamut. Like I think the last one I saw was like 19, no 13 billion. Um, but the ones I work on are like two to 10 million um, just cause it's like different kinds of acquisitions, but extremely acquisitive group um the one i'm also in is like super small and so the small team actually for me was a plus just because i've had you know previously been working directly with managing partners so like i really wanted to kind of like um you know keep learning from like kind of the the highest powers i could you know for lack of a better word um but i just 
it kind of just kind of dives into that whole like wanting to learn to like just soak up knowledge that's just always been my philosophy for like wanting to grow um just being able to in terms of like on those small teams do you feel like i think i think the fear for a lot of people is when there isn't when it is a small team it's like a little bit of where do you go next right because that sometimes those the people that are already at the top or they're the lead corp dev whatever they call them vp or or whatnot they may be in that seat for 20 years right right <laughs> 10 years or what or whatnot so where do you go um you know if the team is fairly static in terms of headcount um is there a thought process there anything you could say to the listeners that are kind of considering that yeah this may not be like the best thought process but my thing is like you, i mean there's the A, which is you grow with your team, right? Um, so I have a manager. Um, I'm currently in a senior analyst role. Um, and then the next size person after my manager is a VP. So there's at least like two positions between, probably like three between him and there. Um, between me and there, I've, you know, like at least 10 years. Oh, so there's some room to grow. Oh, yeah. There's a ton of room to grow. Yeah. Yeah. And should, would you, would you advise, would you advise people who are going to like, let's say it was a smaller firm with a smaller corp dev department, would you tell them to be careful about that? Or would you say, just go for it and get the experience and then you could potentially transition to like other corp dev teams? Yeah, I would. I mean, I think once you get your foot in the door, um, you know, the opportunities just flow, right? So if you really want to do healthcare corp dev, but you don't see too much room to grow, I would still take healthcare corp dev if you're not in it right now. And then I would just figure out how to lateral later on. Um, Cause then at least you have the foot in the door and you can really talk to it. Cause I've had recruiters approach me even now um, for manager roles within kind of corp dev as well. Um, and the thing is, is like, if I wanted to flip over to a different kind of specialty or if I wanted to go into a different kind of healthcare corp dev, it's just so much easier now that I kind of have that experience. For sure. For sure. Great, man. Well, I appreciate you sharing all of your wisdom with the, the listeners. Anything else you want to share? Any final words of wisdom before we call it? Or anything, uh, I guess, in terms of next, it sounds like next steps is just, hang, you know, keep growing with your company. Um, any other final words you want to give before we call it? I'd say just the two things that are key to success is one is learn as much as you can um, put yourself in a position to really be able to grow from the people around you and make sure you have a good mentor to learn from because it, it makes a big difference. If the person you're learning from doesn't do things the right way or kind of has their own way of approaching it. I mean, it's not a bad thing, but just make sure that that person has like good experience. Get investigated for fraud from the MBI, FBI. Exactly. Yeah. That's not who you want your. Exactly. You got. You got to. <laughs> you really got to pick them. Um, and then the second one is just networking is key, um, and being able to kind of stay in front of people as well as kind of keep, I guess, about lack of mm, lack of a better term, just keep warm leads um, and making sure you're kind of in front of people. Um, which reminds me, I need to send out some networking emails pretty soon and catch people up. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Exactly. I say, hey, I'm here. I'm doing great. Um, yeah. Usually the best time to network, right, is when you don't need it, right? Right. You can just have a conversation. Exactly. Well, listen, man, I really appreciate all the time. Thanks so much for sharing your wisdom. Yeah, definitely. Thanks for having me. It's, it's been a pleasure. And thanks to you, my listeners at Wall Street Oasis. If you have any suggestions whatsoever, please don't hesitate to send them my way, patrick at wallstreetoasis.com. Until next time.